0: The Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan This is Kevin Conroy.
1: Hey, this is Francis maniple
0: Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Family Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 175. I'm your host, Justin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of November 15th through November 28th. We have a total of three books that we're covering here on the episode. We are also going to... Uh, we also have news, as usual, including the sales report for October. Um, so let's just dive straight into news. So before we get into the sales, uh, sales numbers, TBU by the numbers, let's go over solicitations. So the first thing was, uh, as far as collected editions go, DC Comics released some advanced solicitations that will release in February, March, and April. Uh, several of these are for collected editions uh, of current books, including Batman Beyond, Volume 1, Black Canary, Volume 1, Earth 2, Society, Volume 1, Red Hood, Arsenal, Volume 1, Harley Quinn and Power Goal. We Are Robin, Justice League, Justice League, Dark Side War, Hardcover, Batman, Volume 7, Gotham Academy, Volume 2, uh, Robin War, on Hardcover, Teen Titans, Volume 2, Batman Robin Eternal Volume 1 and Superman Batman Volume 3 as well as other collected editions outside of the main continuity or digital type books including DC Comics Bombshells Volume 1, Justice League 3000 Volume 1, Injustice Year 4 Volume 1, Injustice Year 1 The Complete Collection Trade Paperback, Robin Volume 2 including uh, collecting Robin 2 and Robin 3 Cry of the Huntress, other noteworthy titles for TBU fans including, include a uh, new coloring book editions of Batman Hush and Batman Adventures of uh, Mad Love, where you can color the books yourself, um, the uh, hardcover collection of the long-awaited and newly starting Batman Europa, a new trade paperback feature uh, edition of Batman Contagion, a new $100 omnibus of Gotham Central, and a collection called World's Funnest, collecting stories of Batmite and his foe Mr. Mitzelplik. That is the complete list of what we have. We have, obviously, the entire rundown of all the books over on the website. So definitely check that out. The one thing that I think is interesting is there's coloring book editions of comic books. I have to say that's probably the most interesting thing... That is probably in this bunch of stuff.
1: They're really going all in on this coloring thing for a little bit, aren't they? With yeah. the
0: variant covers and then
1: with these collected editions. So, and I notice the price isn't nuts too. So Hush is fifteen ninety nine. So they're not they're not extremely expensive. So interesting.
2: I'm not sure I would ever color on an actual comic book. And I know that uh, these are catered towards adults because I could totally see it buying a cover, giving it to your, you know, your kid to have fun with it. But I feel like even adults um, may sort of be a little uh, leery of 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 cover or coloring on a comic. Um, so I I almost imagine why not you know copy these covers. And put them in a actual book, and then you know distribute that and have it. But it would it would just sort of weird me out. Besides creators signing the comics, if I'm going to have them and put them in a nice little bag and board, then I don't really want anything on there.
0: I, I wonder what's clearly not geared towards you, still.
2: I guess. <laughs> or are you going to call her in?
0: No, I'm not. But the, you know, we had this <laughs> discussion when they announced the variant covers in January, and I thought. I, you know, initially when I first heard about it, I was like, this is kind of weird. But as, as time goes on, I was actually in a store recently and saw a coloring book version of of something. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was and I can't remember what store it was. I just remember seeing it and being like, wow, this is really a thing. I, I, you know, maybe I, I thought maybe I was just, you know, reading stuff on the internet, which isn't always true, but no, it really is a thing. And, uh. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I, it's geared wonder- towards a specific audience. I mean, that's the thing. And if it gets a different group of people to buy comics because of that very reason, then I'll, I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, that, yeah.
1: I wonder how they'll be printed. Like, like, will the paper in this be like a traditional graphic novel paper or will it be like um, a coloring paper? You know what I'm saying? Like, because the traditional graphic novel paper is kind of slick. It'd be kind of tifty, yeah. tough to, to, to color. So, I think it'll be like, you know, coloring book paper? I don't know. I, I mean, I can't imagine. Curious now. <laughs> I mean, if it's
0: if it's if it's normal paper, I can't imagine how you know that would be beneficial. I mean, like I guess if it was normal, you know, typical paper that you find in trade paperbacks, I mean, markers would be the only thing. But I don't associate markers with coloring no. books generally. I call it, I, I associate crayons with it, and that crayons won't work on that kind of paper.
1: So, I, well, I guess when it comes out, somebody. If not one of us, I, I'll be curious just to flip the inside and see what it's made of.
0: Yes, definitely. All right, so moving into the main solicitations. These solicitations are for February. Obviously, there's a ton of the normal stuff, but the biggest things that are happening in some of these, um, first off, we have some new creative teams coming to some of the books starting in February. Tim Seeley, uh, as we know, who is currently working on Grayson and also one of the writer's for Batman and Robin Eternal, or for Batman Eternal, I should say, and Juan Ferrero, who's coming from Gotham by Midnight, uh, they will be taking over New Suicide Squad, and Greg Pak will be taking over Teen Titans along with Noel Rodriguez, who uh, previously worked on Red Hood and the Outlaws. So two new creative teams coming to Teen Titans and New Suicide Squad and I have to say, real quick, I I wanna before we get into the nitty-gritty of all the solicitation details, I have to say when I found when I first heard that Seely was coming on to New Suicide Squad, I was quite pleased. You know, Sean Ryan has done an okay job in my opinion, not like anything amazing, but it hasn't been bad uh with New Suicide Squad. But I have been saying for a while that with the movie coming out next August, they really need to put some new blood in into these books to really give them some more oomph, you know, into the what they're you know what they're trying to tell. And Teen Titans, I haven't really been enjoying that much and Greg Pak, I you know, I'm kind of, you know, off and on with what the stuff he does. Uh he's coming from Batman, Superman, but um I'm also interested to see what he could potentially do with Teen Titans because it's another one of those books where I was really hoping for them to give some sort of new blood. So I'm interested to see what they do with these two books.
1: Yeah, and Sealy's uh, – his, his work on Grayson has been good. So, yeah, and I think that they'll probably keep the roster the same. I, I don't think they'll let him change it too much unless they bring in just every character they're going to use like Enchantress um, for the movie. But, uh, yeah, Sealy getting another book is, is Happy Days.
0: All right, so then getting into the, like I said, the nitty-gritty of it, uh, February brings a one-shot prequel, as we talked about last episode, to The Dark Knight Returns. While The Dark Knight 3, the mass race, is on hiatus for the month, the solicitation for the one-shot prequel says before The Dark Knight Returned, um, but will deal with Joker, Poison Ivy, Selina Kyle, and The Last Robin, which uh, many of us believe is the Jason Todd Robin uh due to when Dark Knight Returns first came out. Uh, over in Batman number 49, Bruce Wayne reclaims the cowl of Batman and decides whether or not he can truly be, leave behind the life, uh, the tranquil life he's had since he's returned to life in order to return to the life of Batman. Meanwhile, we see other books focusing on Batman ignore the, the plot point that's happening in Batman completely as Jim Gordon continues to investigate a cold case from his days in the GCPD over in Detective Comics and over in Batman Superman, we see Bruce and Clark's, uh, an untold story from Bruce and Clark's past. Um, but uh, then, but also we see Lobo come to collect a bounty that has been put on Batman's head. So Lobo coming for Batman. Interesting. We also obviously have four new episodes, we also have four new issues of Batman Robin Eternal, which is solicited that the Bat family is being under attack from the world-destroying weapon Harper is learning a secret that changes her life and makes her an enemy of the Robins. And we see a flashback to Batman's blood-soaked confrontation with Mother that Batman assumed had ended in her death. Uh, Gracie number 17 sees Dick recruiting a team of spies to help him deal with Spiral that has been taken over by Tiger and Helena Bernelli. Batgirl number 49 sees Barbara explore uncharted territory of her own mind in order to find the secret of Batgirl's new enemy. Red Hood Arsenal number 9 has Jason, Roy, and of course, Joker's daughter fighting off the evil Sharon. Damien and Goliath are reunited in Gotham in Robin's Son of Batman. The Robins continue their escalating fight with the Joker gang in We Are Robin, but without the help of Duke and Rico. Um, then we move on to Black Canary. She teams up with Batgirl in the pages of Black Canary. Tim is tracking down Terry's brother Matt in the pages of Batman Beyond. Uh, that also sees the introduction of the Splicers within the DC Universe. Gotham Academy number fifteen will be the part two of the yearbook that we see that obviously begins in January. In the team books in Justice League uh, of America, we have Rao on the ropes, but still needs a miracle to the. De- 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 but the J- Justice League still needs a miracle to defeat him. The Justice League title itself is absent from the solicitations, but we do see Justice League Dark side Wars Special Number One, uh, which is oversized but is still the normal price of 3.99, uh, giving a backstory to Darkside's daughter Grail, Tin Drake tries to clear the name of the Teen Titans as the new creative team takes over in Teen Titans. While in Titans Hunt, they fight Mr. Twister. Harley contacts someone outside of Bell Reeve that might break her out of Task Force X in New Suicide Squad 17. And in Suicide Squad Most Wanted, Deadshot and Katana. Katana continues her fight against Cobra while Deadshot abandons his post with the Suicide Squad and risks being killed by Waller. Strix also finds her place in Secret 6, but has a hard, has to fight someone from her past. Over in some of the other, uh, books, Selena deals with a bounty on her head, uh, and she's running from both Batgirl and Killer Croc in Catwoman. and Catwoman. In Harley Quinn, we see Harley and the Joker face to face, um, but over in her Black, Little Black Book series, we see her teaming up with Green Lantern in the issue number two of that series. Uh rounding out the other books, we have uh, Gotham City Sirens, uh Trio, headlining Poison Ivy Cycle of Life and Death, number two. And then we also obviously still have new issues of Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman Arkham Knight, uh a special one shot for Batman Arkham Knight featuring back on Harley Quinn telling the origin stories for the two characters within the Arkham Verse. We also have Midnighter, Earth 2 Society, Batman 66, Justice 3001, Justice Year 5, and DC Comics Bombshells. So for the entire list, you can head over to the website and check it out. Well, I think the
1: lead is right there in the first one. It's Batman, right? Uh, I mean, this is a me being nitpicky, but I really hate it when such massive spoilers are dropped in solicitations, don't you? I oh mean, yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Like, right there, this first solicitation, Bruce is back as Batman. Oh, thanks. You know, um, there's got to be a way around them doing that. And it's always really irritated me because that is been like the whole thing, this whole Super heavy story has been around, what is this going to be, almost a 12-issue story when it's all said and done? And we get the the shoe dropped on us in the solicitation, so that always kind of aggravates me a bit, but looking forward to it.
0: Now, one thing that's worth noting with Batman number 49 is that the art is not Greg Capullo, which we all believe that he was leaving after issue 50, but I guess he must have had one more issue to take a break before – he leaves in issue 50 uh, because Yannick Paquette, who has previously worked with Snyder on Swamp Thing, is doing the art for issue number 49, which is interesting. But there is no confirmation on whether 48 is actually Capullo's last issue or if he's coming back with 50. I mean, we'll find out in December when they release solicitations for March. But I think it's interesting that, you know, hey, yes, he's going to be leaving and uh, – you know it's right around the corner, but he's taking one issue off before he leaves. Well, I, I actually saw something about this that
1: he tweeted um, last week or so, and the reason why is because number fifty is like double size issue, I guess. So that he will be doing number fifty to round up super heavy, but it's an extra long issue, so he needed time off to do the super length issue.
0: It's just interesting because I think 49, at least with the solicitation they've given us, is the first time that Capullo is not doing the main story. In a while. In a while. Because every time Capullo takes an issue off, Snyder does these one-shot stories that has nothing to do with the main story or, you know, you don't have to read in order to follow the main story because the main story is always done by Capullo. So it's interesting that they're just like, well, Fool is odd after 50, so just screw it. We're just gonna keep going. I wonder how long he will be gone for. It won't be that long, I don't think. Probably what, maybe, maybe a year? Maybe? Yeah, I, I'm guessing at least six months minimum. Uh, probably closer to a year though. Yep. As far as some of these other things, you know, we, you know, we already talked about Dark Knight going on hiatus. I think it's kind of stupid that, th- you stupid. know, month three, it's, or month four, it's, it's gonna go on hiatus. I'm interested to see what the story could be, but again, it just shows that they're going to, you know, somebody, I read something that said, you know, uh, or okay, well, it, was, it wasn't that I read something. It was that there was, there was a interview that, that uh, Frank Miller did. And in the interview, he's, he distinctly had said to the person, well, I'm so glad that, that uh, I worked with Brian and blah, 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 but this isn't my story. And this was like, this was not even a week before the issue came out. He's like, this isn't really my story. There's going to be another chapter, the fourth installment, and it's going to be all done by me. And when it's all done I by know. me, when it's all done by me, then, you know, that'll be the, 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 the finish of it. But this isn't that. This is not it. And I, and I read that interview and I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, really? Befuddling. Yeah. Not even a week before the book comes out, you're out there telling people, this isn't your story. This isn't what you wanted and you're still going to do something else. So then what is the point of why people would want to go out and buy this?
1: What well, not to mention that if you look at the solicits that DC put out for DK3 for 6 months, what does it say? The thrilling conclusion to the, right? Like, yeah. oh yeah. So this, the solicitation is that this is the conclusion of the Dark Knight universe except Frank Miller's now said that ain't true.
0: And it was like there was no confirmation from DC. They kind of just ignored it. And it was so weird because the interview was done with Newsarama, who normally has no real news coming out of any of their interviews. But it was interesting because DC just kind of like swept it under the rug and didn't respond to it. There was never an update on the on the story. I was just kind of like, wow, I, I seriously can't believe that they allowed this to happen because – He was supposed to be promoting the book, not telling everybody this isn't his story. He was basically babysat the entire time, and he still wants to do his own version later on.
1: But Frank Miller, I I think, has proved over and over again that it doesn't matter what they tell him to say.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I understand that, but you would think that the PR people who are – Hellbent on making sure that they don't, that, you know, they don't say anything to besmirch the, the company who literally will read the interviews ahead of time and say whether or not you can post this stuff. I mean, oh, Stella, Stella yeah. can attest to this. Yes, I can. So the thing is like that, that they would be like, yeah, sure. <sighs> okay. We'll let that slide. Like it's, it's a little out there to just let it go. So uh, Frank's the wild card, man. Yeah. yeah. He, is. he is. He really wild is. Card. <laughs> And it, it's just, int- I don't know, it was real funny because I believe that happened on, uh it was the Thursday before, so it was uh the 19th that, that that little bit of news came out. And then on the 20th, DC had a Twitter Q&A with him, and of course, people had asked about it, and he'd never responded about it. So it was like, well, because I probably have the DC PR people typing out my answers on Twitter right now, that question will never actually get answered, but... I just thought it was kind of in, in one way, like, fine. It's not, it's not exactly what you wanted it to be. That's fine. But when he said that combined with then, you know, when the actual issue came out and I read it, the first thing I thought was, this feels like the before Watchmen.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and, and think about it too. In the past two months, we've had Frank come out and say Batman, All Star Batman and Robin. Yeah, we're doing that. You know, and then Batman Dark Knight four. Yeah, that's coming. It's like, I think he's pissed off again. You
0: know, I, I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's pissed off or I mean, maybe he's just sitting there thinking, "Well, this is a good way for me to get a big influx of money since the directing uh, movies never really panned out for him." But that's uh, true but i i wonder to myself because like when i you know reading this stuff and then like reading you know reading the uh, mini comic that was attached there was a comment that i was reading i was talking to i believe it was don who reviewed the issue on the website and he said something about you know reading through this you can you can tell that at some point they're going to or no i don't remember who it was maybe it wasn't don but somebody i was talking to about this book it basically said You know, you can tell by reading this that at some point there's going to be a bunch of books, part of this DK universe, that other people are writing because that's bound to happen. And I just thought to myself, this is exactly like before Watchmen, like DC trying to do, you know, a money influx with something that they know can make money. But before Watchmen was not well-received i mean like it didn't blow sales numbers out of the sky or anything like that so you know i have to wonder like you know could it blow up in dc's face if that's actually what ends up happening they already are kind of testing the waters with these mini comics attached to the main book i wonder to myself if the you know the idea is let's see if we can turn this into you know uh elseworld's universe by itself i mean is in some ways in Elseworlds universe anyway, but, you know, turn it into a universe that we can, you know, have two, three books a month coming out for. All right, so that's solicitations. Let's get into the TBU by the numbers. So Terry posted up the TBU numbers for October 2015, and I have to say, well, I don't have to say, DC in general had a pretty, pretty poor month. I mean, uh, like... Uh, not no no joke really 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 bad um so they the entire market share for dc was 22.92% um which was absolutely horrible compared to what marvel had uh overall there was only 3 dc books there was actually no dc books actually in the top 10 Batman was the highest ranked DC book, which was ranked number 11 for the month. Um, TBU market share for the month was actually 14.65. So again, more than 50% of everything that DC sold was Batman related. Um, so books doing well for the month. We've got Batman number 45, Justice League number 45, Batman and Robin Eternal number one, two, three, and four, which combined those four issues Those combined four issues sold 233,000 issues. Now they, now you have to look at it from a combined book because people are buying the book four separate times throughout the month. So in one month, that's a lot of books. I mean, no wonder they're going to keep doing Batman Robin Eternal if those are the sales numbers for the four books combined. That's on average at least 55.
1: 58.
0: Yeah, 58 an issue. So. That's, that's really good for DC, especially if that's 58 a week. So, that's really good. Um, JLA number four, uh, Harley Quinn number 21, and Detective Comics number 45. Those books all did well for the month. Uh, moving into books, meaning expectations. We have Batman Superman, Robin son of Batman, New Suicide Squad, Grayson, DC, uh, DC Comics Bombshells, Titans Hunt, Injustice, God's Among Us, Batman Beyond, Batgirl, Teen Titans, Earth 2 Society, Black Canary, We Are Robin, Red Hood, Arsenal, and Catwoman. Now, uh, moving into books in danger. As we have said before, some of these books, we've, we've, you know, it's no surprise that they're here, but, uh, first off, uh, going through some of the books, Batmite is on the list, which, yeah. and Batman 66, Gotham by Mad, uh, Gotham by Midnight, I should say. And uh, Batman Arkham Knight Genesis are all on the list as well as G- Justice League United. But all of those books, as we know, are either coming to an end or being canceled in the coming months, so there's no surprise there. The books that, however, are not canceled yet, uh, that w- are actually in danger and we should be concerned about, would be Batman Arkham Knight, the digital version, Gotham Academy, Secret Six, and Midnighter, and Justice League 3001. Those are the books that are... You know, have not been canceled yet and are still publishing new issues. I'm not sure. Obviously Arkham Knight, the normal Batman Arkham Knight, the, the, you know, digital numbers, that's, that's one we probably don't have to worry about. But Gotham Academy Secret 6, Just League 3001, Midnighter are all there. Midnighter is actually down at 13,000 sales. So it's dead any minute now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at this point, that's those are horrible, horrible numbers. Can't I mean, you can't
1: put the book out with that? I mean, just can't do it. Yeah, they'd have I mean, to.
2: They're gonna have to do some. If they care to save it, they're gonna have to do more crossovers with Grayson. Or if yeah. they at least want to utilize that character, just have him more present
0: in Grayson. Well, the problem. Well, part of the problem is though, is that issue five, which is the one that's on this report, actually had Grayson as one of the main characters in the in that book. Uh, that was the big crossover with Grayson was in number five. So it didn't really help that much. The problem is, I think, with Midnighter is that the character is, is, um, is not very well known. I mean, like, I wouldn't, really I, mean, not. I wouldn't yeah. know who Midnighter is if, if it wasn't for him being involved with Grace in those few issues before his own series. I would have no clue who Midnighter is. And I think the problem is that the, one, the character's is not very well known. But the other part problem is I don't know that the, the that they're really doing a great job of like figuring out what type of audience it appeals to.
1: It's not promoted a lot, too. To Stella's point, like yeah, y- you don't see a lot of Midnighter stuff in the back of other comics or at a shop or online or you know what I'm saying. Like it just kind of seems to be a book that. I'm wondering if if up front they said we're giving this thing eight issues and that's what he's getting. You know what I'm saying? Like an unofficial miniseries miniseries, which I know they're prone to to do do sometimes. Yep. Um, But I tell you what's kind of staggeringly bad. If you look through this list of all the comics, with the exception of Justice League, which is up a half a percent from last month, right? Every single book is in the red month after month. Yeah. I mean, every single one. Um Some of them, if you look at the yearly change, like Harley Quinn's down twenty percent, Detective Comics is down seventeen percent, Batman Superman is down twenty five percent for the year. Grayson number third, Grayson's down forty percent. You know, Um, I think what we're seeing is, and this is unfortunate, but I think sometimes books come out and they have a limited shelf life, and I think that speaks to what you brought up a lot of times, Dustin, that the idea of the miniseries might be better.
0: You know, and and also, I mean. Marvel to a degree, I mean, they do that a lot where, you know, they launch new series and cancel their series fairly frequently. I mean, I'm not an expert on Marvel publishing, you know, the way they do it, but I know for a fact that practically every two years they have this big launch where they have a bunch of, you know, they have a bunch of number ones. And also part of the reason why DC had such a hard time this month with the market share was because this was the all new Marvel or whatever the heck they called the event oh, where they had there? a bunch of number ones in October. Um, and the, the number ones dominated a good chunk of the top 10 with the exceptions being some of the star Wars books. So, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do when that's what's happening. I mean, DC, DC, I want to say they, you know, when they had the the New 52 and that happened, you know, there was some, you know, there there was a lot of really good sales numbers and things like that, but it was an event. And the thing is, like, comparing DC, you know, I'm not saying that DC needs to reboot their books every two years or something like that, but I feel like Marvel's a little bit more willing to just say, well, we're going in a new direction or we have a new creative team, so we're going to give it a number one. And I'm not saying that that's the best that's the best option, but Marvel is obviously proving that people are more willing to buy the number one because of that number one on the issue.
1: I'll go a step farther. I'll, I'll say I think that unless it's an established book like Flash, Green Lantern, Batman Detective, something like that, that these other books shouldn't be given ongoing status. They should start as miniseries, and if they gain a following after six to 12 issues, then make them ongoing, you know? Because at least – like, how many times have we heard, you know, what happened with Omega Men and it got yeah. saved where – guys get kneecapped in the middle of a story arc, right? At least if you tell them up front you got six or 12 issues or eight, whatever you want, nine, whatever you want to give them, probably six or 12 just for the fact that you have trade publications. They know that they've got six issues to tell a story, and at least then I think you'd get a lot of completed stories. How many books get canceled and it's just gets wrapped up in 20 pages and nothing ever really gets read? You know what I'm saying? Like, no payoffs. Why get invested in a book that you know you're never going to get payoff? And, at least and, that's,
0: and that's the biggest problem because when you have a book – the best example currently is Gotham by Midnight. I, yeah. you know, we know for a fact we're not going to get a whole lot of wrap up and resolution in the last issue of the month, you know, the last issue of the series. So, what is the reason to get behind the book in general? Um, to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The other thing I want to bring up is one thing I've noticed recently, just within the last couple of months, is I've noticed that there is an alarming rate of resolicitations and Delays. Yeah. Uh, Um there for whatever reason, suddenly it's starting to happen and I don't know why, and I don't I don't know what the the explanation from DC is, but if everybody remembers when the New Fifty Two started, they sat there and said, We're gonna do better about making sure the books come out on time and we're gonna make sure that the books, you know, are not being delayed, and we're gonna make sure that, you know, you know, you've got a book to buy every single month. Well just Watching over the last month, uh, there was no backroll issue that came out in November. Now there couldn't, there could end up. Be, well, I know there's going to end up probably at least per solicitations, there will be two issues of backroll in December because the first, uh, the November issue is coming out in the first week of December, but then the second issue doesn't come out towards the end until the end of the month. But backroll's, you know, a week. It's it's started out as what a week three book, and now it's a uh, week one book. Uh, the same thing happened with Batmite, which was a mini series. It was delayed. Um, and so it was delayed, I guess, so last minute that DC still had on their website that it was cut, that it was out in it first week out. Of the month. And it wasn't Is this a
2: week four book now?
0: It is. It, well, I mean, it should have been, but it didn't come out in week four for November at least. So Will um, we still have
2: one more. Do we not?
0: Nope. We're done. November's so what, done tomorrow. Oh,
2: okay.
0: So that's what I'm saying. Like, I looked at online and it says it's supposed to come out on, you know, next, next week, which is week one of December. So November, 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 it's November. clearly delayed. November. But then there's also, uh, Justice League of America is another example. Justice League oh, of America just- was, was delayed. Then all of a sudden the latest issue came out this past week. And instead of focusing on the ongoing story that, that, uh, was being told, it suddenly was a random Martian manhunter one shot. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, and I, and it goes back to, you know, some of the complaints I've had before about Batman, Robin, Eternal with, you know, the art and how it doesn't make any sense of why there's issues with this. I don't know what's going on, but suddenly it seems like they're falling back into the ruts that they were in prior to the new 52. And I don't know the reasoning behind it, because obviously I don't work at DC, but, you know, it comes down to, you know, there's been a lot of weird things that have happened in just the last couple of months with delays and things like that. And it has to be attributed to something. You can't sit there and say it's because, well, we moved our offices from one coast to the other because that was over six months ago.
1: Well, I think this whole thing is shake, shaping up as, as a bit of a disastrous year, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, they they really need Europa and DK3 to do some major numbers. I mean, the convergence was a disaster, you know. Um, generally regard is one of the worst events in 25 years and, and the rest of it's just been kind of mirrored with, with delays, falling sales. I mean, you
0: know. All right. So the, in addition to the main TBU by the numbers, as I mentioned before, Terry mentioned that he was going to potentially start working on some, uh, spotlights, uh, focusing on certain issues and certain numbers and things like that. Um, so this month he specifically did the spotlight on Batman and detective comics to kind of see, you know, the trends of, you know, does what happens in Batman, does it affect what happens, you know, how the sales go for detective comics. And there's a chart you can actually, according to the chart and the charts on the website, obviously you're hearing us, you can't see it. But if you go to the website, it's there and the chart actually shows that, Everything that happens that's been happening in Batman is directly correlated to how the book, how Detective Comics sells. Uh, when Batman goes up, Detective goes up. When Batman goes down, Detective goes down. And it's it's very telling to see how much of an effect one title has on the other.
1: Oh, yeah. I, and also the storyline. I mean, if you look at the Batman curve, it ties in with the end of Endgame or Endgame, right? And then it just drops off immediately.
0: Well, part of, part of the, I think it is, uh, well, part, okay, well, there's two explanations. He's refer, uh, what Ed's referring to is in June, Batman was over 140,000 issues for the month. And then the next month, it it made a beeline down and dropped to below 120,000. So 20,000 in one month is huge, humongous change. Part of that could obviously could be attributed to the fact that June, they were marketed the crap out of everything that was going on in June. And June had a little bit higher sales because also nobody wanted to buy anything during. Convergence. uh, Yeah, convergence April and May because, you know, the book wasn't out. But also because I believe the marketing had to do with it, you know, all new DC or whatever they called it, DCU or the new marketing thing that they were using to promote the books. That had something to do with it, but I think a lot of people might have been turned off by the fact that Jim Gordon was in the suit, and that's why it had such a steep dip. Oh, yeah. Because because it kind of just kind of like evens out at that mark after that month, but it could be attributed to the marketing, but it also, like like we've heard from a lot of listeners, it could be attributed to the fact that, you know, there was a lot of people who were turned off by that.
1: Well, I think there's no doubt that that's what the numbers show. I mean, if you look at its current run, there's a very real conceivable possibility that by January, it could be below 100,000, you know, which would be staggering. But I think that, you know, Bruce is probably coming back just in time.
0: So with that, I honestly, uh, I, I implore you guys to check out the sales, not only, not only the TB by the numbers, the main article, but also the spotlight article dealing with Batman and Detective Comics. Check those out. I know that, uh, one, there's been a lot of interest in those articles. Uh, they're some of the most viewed articles on the website uh, month to month. So definitely check that out and then be looking for November's sales numbers in the coming weeks. So with that, we're going to dive into our comic book reviews. And our very first one is Dark Knight 3. You say you answer to some sort of authority. They only want me dead because I'm an embarrassment. Because I do what they can't.
1: What kind of authority is that? Dark Knight 3, The Master Race Number 1, writers Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. Art, Andy Kubert with Klaus Janssen. This story opens up with the glass being broken around the, the bat suit in the bat cave. We send see the story of a, uh, looks like former mutant or bat boy depending on which iteration we're looking at, uh, sounding thug who tells the story of running from the police. We then get like a typical DK media montage and a scene with Commissioner Yendel and it seems that Batman has returned. Uh, we then go out to the Amazon where we see Wonder Woman fight a Minotaur with her infant son strapped to her back before she returns home and finds out that her older daughter, Laura, has left to go to her father's old hideaway, the Fortress of Solitude. We see her there talking to the Man of Steel who's frozen salt and ice and the residents of Candor trying to send her a message of help. Back to Yendel and Gotham. Um, we see she sits next to she is sitting down next to the bat signal as she is told by one of her men that they have Batman trapped. After a high speed chase, the police have him on the ground, comes back and takes smoke with most of them out, but Yendel gets the drop on him, gets the handcuffs on him, and pulls away his cowl to reveal Carrie Kelly. She asks where Bruce Wayne is, and her response is that Bruce Wayne is
2: dead. And then uh shipping separately with the Dark Knight is Dark Knight Universe presents the atom number one. And the credits on that were, or are, uh, Frank Miller Writer, along with Brian Azzarello, pencils by Frank Miller, inks by Klaus Johnson, and colors by Alex Sinclair. And basically, to give you an idea, it's following, of course, Ray Palmer's The Atom. And as he reflects, uh, with, uh, upon his divorce with Gene Mooring, he's also thinking about just how science has also changed for him, and he talks about his relationship with the big three, meaning Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, and also the other members uh, coming into the fold of the Justice League. And we end up with uh, Lara appearing and bringing with her the bottled city of Kandor. And it appears that um, they are tired of being small. So we can only assume that Ray Palmer is going to help the bottled city of Candor.
1: With the mini comic and the and the regular story, I I guess my biggest question I wanted to ask is as we start off with DK three is does this feel like a story set in the original Dark Knight Universe? Is this team successful in recreating the feel of that book that was that from so many years ago?
0: I think to a degree, yes, it does feel at least by you know, looks, it does feel like it's that book. I mean Qbert's art is, is clearly different than Frank Miller's art, but when you look at the backup, I mean, you can tell that Kubert's changed his style a little bit to kind of be more reminiscent of Frank Miller's style. Um, but at the same time, like, the writing, I think there is a distinct difference, and I'm not complaining about it when I say this, but I feel like there is a difference in the writing. Um, it does feel like it's set in the universe, but it doesn't feel like it is the same... Well, I mean, it's not the same team exactly, but it's not. It, it, I don't know. It just feels like it's like a uh, like a twisted version of it, and and I and I see that, in it, and I'm not trying to say it's bad by any means, but it doesn't feel like it is the same. I don't know, like same story. I mean, like it has the look. It's like looking at something and saying, "I think I've been here before." But then, like, something is off. Something's just off. And it feels like it's something to do with the writing, which would be expected since, uh, obviously, asrello is co-writing it with Frank Miller. So, you know, it's probably not exactly what Frank Miller would write if it was himself. Also, it probably also has to do with the fact that Frank Miller, you know, we, we have known that over the past 15 years, he's kind of gone off the rails and he he's a little bit, off when it comes to writing stuff and this doesn't, this feels like a heavily redacted Frank Miller version. Censored Frank Miller, essentially. Yeah. Interesting.
2: I, uh, I think that it's almost, and I know that this word can be used like negatively, but I mean it like in the literal sense. It seems like a derivative of the Dark Knight series. Like, Ooh. it's sort of born of it. It has um, little glimpses, I think, that we, like, for example, when I was reading and you kind of had the talking heads, but not exactly because you actually see more than their heads now. Um, certain moments like that, but overall it, it felt for me quite different than what I, when I had read uh, the, Nar- the Dark Knight Returns. For me, it, I think that
1: you guys are kind of nail it there. It seems like an updated Dark Knight Returns to me. Um, there's enough there to make it feel familiar. The inclusion of characters like Yendel. Right off the bat, makes us feel like we're in that universe. Um, and then, of course, Carrie Kelly, who's there as well. So, yeah, I, I felt like it was an updated Dark Knight Returns. I think that it, they took a lot of the good and kept it there, and, and you still have Azarella's feel with it. And Kubert's art um, is definitely being altered to look like Frank Miller, which is – I mean as a compliment because a lot of artists simply have one way to do things. This is their art yes. style. So for Cooper to be able to take his own art style and put a little Frank Miller into it, I mean that as a compliment. I think it's extraordinarily well done. Um, so it does feel close enough to me, especially being the first chapter. Uh, second thing is the villain in this first issue um, seems to be authority itself. Do we think that this can work as a villain for a story? Or do we do we think that we're going to have the introduction of a primary villain?
0: I think I think the overlying villain is probably going to be Authority, and honestly, in some ways, that's very timely right now. Oh yeah, you know, I think in I think it's it's smart. I mean, in some ways, back when you know Dark Knight Returns originally came out, Authority again was it was the Authority being the villain was very timely, and here it's you know it's maybe even more timely. Um, so I feel like maybe the idea is that the you know the overall Theme of the book is going to be this, you know, authority is bad. Although it does feel like, you know, Batman going after the, you know, the cops and just beating the crap out of the cops doesn't doesn't connect as smoothly as it should. But I guess we'll have to wait and see to see what happens later on. But I think that authority is going to be the overall villain. But there, I feel like there will be some sort of other villain. I'm curious to know who the heck it could be obviously, but um, I think in general, that is something that also plays into what we know to be Dark Knight Returns.
2: I think it's certainly possible. Um, I honestly think a little bit of Anarchy. Wouldn't he be a great or she be a great um, character in this universe as well? Uh, but it's a system, and that's that's sometimes difficult to fight against, and I feel like there's no real way, potentially, to beat it, um, unless like you know, you destroy the whole city that the system's actually uh, around in. Um, so I, I feel like while this may have been a good introduction to um, whatever situation is going on, I do think that there is going to be some tangible villain that uh, maybe it's the sort of embodiment or personification of this authority, but I think there's got to be something more than uh, just what we've seen in this issue.
1: Yeah, and this story does have a lot of. Besides, them, it remind me of Dark Knight Returns. It reminds me of Batman Year One Hundred a lot. Um, the bat suits kind of of the authority of, of the governments in this one. Um, I kind of on Stella's side here. I, I think that there has to be the introduction of a primary villain. Maybe it'll be some we've already seen. Maybe Wonder Woman will act as the foil, like Superman did in Dark Knight Returns, or her daughter. But um, I think that the the real villain will be authority. But I think that there will be some play some agent of authority that we'll have to deal with at, at some point down the line. Um, and then, you know, although Kerry Carrie Kelly says Bruce Wayne is dead, it's extremely unlikely that he's actually dead. But what do we think about Carrie Kelly being Batman? We've seen Dick Grayson become Batman. We've seen the Batman 666 universe where Damian Wayne becomes Batman. What do we think about Carrie Kelly as Batman?
0: I mean, obviously, there's a big jump um, from... The original Dark Knight Returns, I kind of tried to ignore Strikes again just because it, love that. it was horrible. But, um, there's, there's, a, there's a jump there. I mean, the thing is, I, I guess I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I know that when when I was, when it first came out, I was reading some, you know, comments about it online and things like that. And people were, the, you know, there was a couple articles I saw that said that people were off put by the idea that Carrie Kelly was, was Batman. And I just thought to myself, is it really that far fetched? I mean, if this is supposed to take place maybe 10, 15 years after Dark Knight returns in normal continuity t- time frame, why would, he, why would you expect Batman to still be out there if he was basically as old and had as many problems as he did back in the original Dark Knight returns? So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It is slightly odd that they, you know, that they unmask her in front of everybody. That quickly, that was slightly weird to me, but the, but I don't really find it to be that big of a deal. I mean, like in this universe, in this, you know, story, she is the Robin, you know, right. who knows what happened before, but we know that most likely the Robins uh, assumingly will assume the mantle at some point. So I don't really think it's that crazy. I mean, I don't really care if. It's Carrie Kelly who takes over as as Batman because that's the way the story, you know, basically set it up to be.
2: Ah, uh, seems pretty different. I've actually not read Strikes Again, and um, good for you. I kind of went back and did, uh, I guess, reverse research because I felt like I had missed many things because um, some of these characters were not in the first one, and. Uh, I, you know, going from <laughs> that, the first one to this, uh, I feel like there is a shift if only, um, because you don't, because she's Batman and not Robin, I think is the, and I know she was cat girl or whatever in the second one. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, you don't really get a characterization out of her in this first one, but it's just super weird. Why is she beating up on cops? Um, when, you know, you may not have seen them do anything wrong, uh, and then goes after Captain, uh, Commissioner Yindel. Yeah. you know, so it's a little strange, but it's, uh, it's so early, right? Cause it's just so many questions right now since it's the first issue. And the big question, of course, is where is Bruce Wayne? So I guess we can't, maybe, maybe Bruce still really is down in that cave with Joker at the end of Endgame. And, and that's why Carrie Kelly took up the mantle. It all comes together, huh?
0: No, no, that's a different universe. Nice try, though. Nice try. Um, you know, I have I have to input and say, you know, in some ways, I think more people would probably be upset if we come to find out that Bruce Wayne actually is dead. There's no way he's dead. I know, but I'm just saying, like that would be f- more frustrating than Carrie Kelly's Batman. So, like, people who potentially are getting upset about Carrie Kelly being Batman, wouldn't you be a lot more upset if? Bruce Wayne was actually dead? I mean, I know I would, because it'd be like, well, now this story's not really about Bruce Wayne. It's about Carrie Kelly as Batman and these other members of the Justice League who, you know, are still alive.
1: What age would Bruce be by now? He's gotta be eighty, right? Probably at least. I mean, when he comes out of retirement and Dartner returns, he's in his sixties. Yeah. Right? By the end of Dark Knight 2, he's got to be in his mid-70s, and if this looks like it takes place five years after, I mean, he's got to be almost 80 years old, yeah. you know? This actually, having Kerry Kelly in this so far, I don't think he's dead. I think you're right, but like, he'd be very upset, although it might be a very interesting way of sticking it to Frank Miller. <laughs> <if> Azare- <laughs> you know, if Vazarella said, hey, he's dead. <laughs> Sorry, you can't do that fourth book. It's not going to work, you know? Um, but I think that this makes sense. I think someone has to be, quote-unquote, Batman. I think that he'll probably still be the leader behind the scenes type deal, but someone has to do the physical part of it. Um, and it would make sense that it like a Robin, like Carrie would take over. So I actually kind of liked this because I, I thought it was more unrealistic that 85 year old Bruce Wayne was, you know what I'm saying? Plowing through the city, just beating the hell out of people. So it worked well for me. Um, and then the last thing to kind of tack on is when we all rate it, I think we should all get a guess on what we think that this will sell and how many issues we think it will sell. I'm curious what everyone thinks it's gonna.
0: Be. Okay, so well, let's just do the 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 unit thing first. Then I'm gonna say it's gonna be somewhere in the neighborhood of like two twenty five at the high end.
1: I'm five. I was thinking about two fifty. Yeah.
2: One seventy five. Ooh, Stella's
1: doing the prices right. She's going low.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there. I mean, well, we're gonna know in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I imagine by by next, the next, by next episode. Time. Yeah. Yep. We should have the uh, the numbers for the first issue now more curious though is it going to be I mean, I mean i would assume even if it's at 200 i would assume that it's going to be dc's top book because i can't see it not outselling batman um, but what how, how much of their market share do you think it would actually be because knowing that the bat books by themselves take a 50% and this is a new book into that could it potentially be like a quarter of their their market share
1: yeah, i think if you add up all of its different derivatives, right? Like the variants, the collector's edition, the bup, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think for a month it could make up 20 percent of their sales. Yeah. yeah. Which would be tremendous for a single issue to do that. Yeah. And, and if it I, doesn't,
0: I, I, but again that that's why DC's it, you know it goes back to what I was saying about the the before Watchmen. It's it's like DC they're they're they've hit a wall with coming up with new stories. With their characters, so instead they're resorting back to some of the stuff that was successful for them in the past. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, you know, it's just it's it's just weird to know that this keeps happening. So
1: Well and and if this doesn't perform well, that's bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if this doesn't perform well, they are gonna have a serious now what we do moment.
0: But the bigger question is how much how much do you think it's going to drop from first issue to second issue because I'm thinking it's going to drop a humongous amount.
1: 50%? Yeah. I think it'll go from 2 high to 2 225 two to 250 to 100,000.
0: Yeah. Like I could see Batman it being right on par with Batman for December.
1: Yes. Because yeah. I
0: think it's more of like a novelty type thing with the first issue but I don't see it you know staying up as you know at that high I it's just not likely so alright so overall I'm going to give this issue a total of 3 out of 5
1: Um, I actually like this a lot
0: I'm going to give it 4 out of 5
1: 3
2: out of 5 for me as well
0: and over on the website Don gave it 2.5 so that's going to give DK3 the master race number 1 a total of 3 out of 5 Batarangs let's move into our next book the Batman Robin Eternal All right. So first off, starting with uh, starting off with Eternal Number Seven, script by Genevieve Valentine, art by Alvaro Martinez. Uh, the issue starts off in Prague. Uh, there is it appears to be one of uh, Crane's people. He has been gassed and he's he's being chased down uh, by Batman Robin. Uh, they get him and they basically tell him uh, or they they basically say that. Uh, He's not supposed to be able to be afraid of them. Crane was supposed to make him imper- you know not be able to be afraid of Batman and Robin, uh, but it doesn't work. Batman then introduced Robin to the Batcave that he has built in Prague, which appears to be in the catacombs. Um then we cut to present time where Cassandra, Harper, and Dick are all there and they say that the they believe that Mother is going to go after uh one of the prima ballerina of the Prague ballet um, and Dick says Harper and Cass need to go protect her or, you know, see what's going on. He opens up a, he pulls a skull and reveals his old Robin suit alongside a Batman suit and two tuxes. And uh, Harper dresses in one of the tuxes and they leave. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of, I guess, the earth, uh, Gamora, Robin, Red Robin and Jason Todd are traveling there to find out something. Um, and they get there and they go into a bar and Jason's drinking and it's, it's clearly shown that, uh, Tim is drinking a pop or a soda, not a alcohol, alcoholic beverage, which I thought was interesting. Um, but they, they, they go back and forth. Jason's trying to find out exactly what happened between Tim and Dick. Tim's not really wanting to talk about it. He's and Jason's just kind of happy that uh Tim got to punch Dick in the face. Uh they find the guy they're looking for, switch into their suits rather quick, and then they chase him out. Uh we then cut to Prague several years ago, where Bruce Wayne is trying to find mother because he's saying that he needs a he needs somebody. Uh it's unclear as to whether it's a wife or a uh whether it's a son or something like that, but uh, he's trying to get in touch with mother because of what we saw that conversation from the last episode. Current times, Dick Grayson is traveling on rooftops throughout Prague while we find out that Cassandra and Harper, uh, Cassandra stole a dress and now they are going to the, the ballet. Uh, at the ballet, the ballerina is being coached by her, what appears to be her actual mother um, and her uh, she goes out on stage. We see a huge splash page of the ballet. Um, then when, during a break, the ballerina goes to the side and she's handed a phone and she is activated by mother. Uh, meanwhile, Dick Grayson is tracking down Orphan's Tracer. And as he's doing this, he's realizing that it's closer than he thinks and it's in, it's actually at the same location as the ballet. In the middle of the ballet, uh, Cassandra realizes that the ballerina has been activated and they, uh, a giant fight ensues. Uh, as Dick Grayson tracks down the tracer, he finds out that, uh, Orphan no longer has it. And as Cassandra and, uh, Harper start, start the enormous fight between them and not only the Prima Ballerina, but also a number of the other members of the ballet company, uh, Dick comes across mother. Next up, the curtain falls. Alright, so then we, we, uh, go over to issue number eight, which the script is also by Genevieve Valentine and art is by Alvaro Martinez and Scott Eaton. Uh, the issue starts off several years ago in Prague where we see Bruce Wayne and, uh, Dick Grayson at the ballet and he, and, uh, Bruce excuses himself and says that he needs to go speak to somebody. He leaves Dick by himself to go meet mother. Um, we then cut to present time where Dick is actually talking with mother. Uh, there's a giant fight that's happening in the, the concert hall for the ballerina or for the ballet. Um, and Dick says he can't get in touch with Harper or Cassandra. And, uh, mother says, you know, the whole reason he came to see me, Bruce came to see me all those years ago was because he was looking for an heir. So, uh, you know, you know, have you figured out which Robin it is that he got from me? Uh, Dick doesn't believe this is true, but he hasn't, he, he can't prove it. Um, and we then see, um, him reaching for his gun, but he holds back and we see uh, several years ago, Bruce talking with mother and he's saying, you know, money's no, uh, no object. You know, I, I need something. And he actually places a tracer on her to try to figure out where she's going. Um, as the battle continues to take place, uh, we see, if, and I, and, I, and I, this is probably one of the th- only times I'll do this, a, uh, give a reference to Marvel. We see a very similar style to the recent Jessica Jones, uh, TV series where, uh, the ballerina who is activated by mother, her mother knocks her over the head and says, look, see, she's dead. She's dead. You've done what you needed to do. And, uh, they, she takes the ballerina and, and leaves. So Harper and Cassandra are left to take out the other members of the company. And we then see, uh, Mother leave Dick a, give him an ultimatum. You have a couple of options. Or he has a couple of options. He can either, uh, come with her and see why he failed Bruce Wayne or she can go and she'll never, and he'll never see her, her face again. And, uh, and he can stay here and help Cassandra. So the next page, of course, he helps Cassandra and Harper Rowe take out their remaining members. Uh, as they're overlooking the, I guess, the entrance of the building on the next page, we see uh, Harper tug on uh, Cassandra's hair. Cassandra has a violent flashback of someone tugging on her hair and trying to slit her throat, and she just freaks out and takes off. Um, as they decide that they're gonna try to track her down, it's not successful. On the other side of the world, uh, Red Robin and Red Hood are tracking down what appear, they, they come to a church, and as they get into the church, they come across somebody who has been gassed by what appears to be fear toxin, and they, and he apologizes and says, uh, and they, he, they, they ask him, who has done this to you? And he replies, "The angel of death." Next up, the crusade. All right, so a uh, couple different things. So the first thing to talk about is, so the entire situation between Harpero, Cassandra, and Dick. That's part of the story that's going on. So in the situation, um, I, I, you know, I didn't have a problem with a whole lot of what was going on, other than Dick deciding, you know. At the very end of these two issues, Dick coming up with the realization that they have no leads to go on to track down Mother, they have nothing, and it was all because he decided to go help Harper and Cassandra instead of going with Mother. Did you feel like that was the right decision or not?
1: Hmm. Um, I don't know. I I think we're supposed to believe that it's the wrong decision, right? Um, I, I... I I would guess, but I I don't know if I could say it was the right decision or not. I mean, there is definitely, hmm. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to say that that from Dick's point of view, he probably thought it was the right thing to do, and and that's all you can really base it on was, did he think he was legitimately doing the right thing for all involved?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the right decision for Dick to make. Uh, This is who he is, and... Obviously, you know, he's a caring individual and he cares about these people. And also, even if they were holding their own, uh, from his perspective, not knowing what was going on, he's got potentially, you know, two rookies, though he knows Cass can handle herself. But Harper, she's still sort of, I think, in that green area of... Um, a Batman sidekick. So I think for him, he, he makes the the right decision. I'm sure when he gets back to the cave, people will think that he made the wrong decision. Um, and, and perhaps that that is a little um, it, it it throws a cast a shadow of of doubt maybe of his uh, leadership capabilities on readers as well as other people that are involved in the actual book.
0: I think the other part of it also is, you know, Dick, he can't, I guess I was unclear with what was going on with the, the, him being able to, you know, his signal was jammed. Mother said, they can't hear you. Your signal's jammed. But I guess I was led to believe that maybe he could still hear what was going on in their end, but I'm not real sure why they would be talking to him if they couldn't hear him talking back my biggest concern is how did he know that they really needed help in the first place? I mean, it's not as if Cassandra's hasn't proven herself multiple times to take out a number of people. Yes, she was whacked on the head. Don't know how that was entirely possible. She doesn't seem like the type of person who some elderly lady is going to whack her over the head and she's going to be easily taken out like that. But, uh, that being said, uh I don't really think it was the right decision, but I think as as Ed said, it's it's pro- we're probably all led to believe that we're supposed to believe that it was the wrong decision. So, um with that, uh the other thing to talk about is, you know, they kind of hint at uh the Angel of Death, which as we all know, the Angel of Death according to at least the Batman comics is known to be Azrael. Um so I think it's interesting because we talked about this before with the name appearing, Sean Paul Valley appearing on, well, not directly appearing, but we believed it appeared on the same list as with all of the other, you know, uh, other sidekicks and partners of Batman. It appeared on that list, but it was blocked out for us being able to see it completely. But enough letters were there for us to piece it together. With the Angel of Death being mentioned at the end, do you think that Azrael is coming to this series? Do I think? Do I think he's coming, or
1: do I want him to come? I, I um
0: think not once, once because I know there's plenty of people who don't want him.
1: Um, I do think it would make sense to have him here. I think the setup is almost deliberate. There's been a lot of Azrael stuff kind of checked in here. Um, yeah, I, I do think that we may be getting Azrael here. Now, I'm not sure if it would be John Paul Valley or Michael Lane. Um, with the name on the back computer, if you're going to tie back into that, it's going to be John Paul. Um. I kind of do feel like he's coming, though. We still have a whole lot of issues of Batman internal. Um, mm-hmm. So this can't be almost about to wrap up. So I think we're going to need another speed bump to elongate the story. And I think that Azrael coming in uh, would be the perfect foil for that.
2: I guess I just wonder how, though. Um, like, it seems like such a hodgepodge. And I don't know. I mean, are you going to somehow wrap Mother into, you know... Dumas, and, and all the stuff that, that comes with it, but you know, on the other hand, I feel like we have... Gosh, what's his name? Uh, David Kane, right?
0: Um <laughs> uh, oh, Fist of Kane. The, yeah, well, yeah, yeah just there's and, talk of that too. And
2: potentially, yeah, but I mean, all this stuff, like, doesn't seem like it fits together, so I, I just don't want this, well, uh, you said, do I think, but I, I... <sighs> I, I almost want it to be no, um, because I, I don't know if it would mix well with what is going on, and un, unless I don't know, but if that happens, then I think that might throw the Batman world into a tizzy because right now there's already a void, you know, with Batman gone. But you know, then we were spoiled already today that he's coming back. So uh, I'm going to say no. I think it's a false, a red herring, if you will, a red herring.
1: See, I, I think it's the when she when she says that Batman wanted him to make a Batman, a replacement, a right for him. I think that might be Azrael. That was mm-hmm. the one mother made, and maybe he went bad. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, th- that would make sense. But I feel, as as you said, Stella, David Caden is also bound to pop up as well. Um, the there was an interview that Tinian did a while back, and he, that he specifically said that. Cassandra Kane is not the only character that they're bringing back into, you know, the TBU, you know, the Batman universe, uh, since the new 52, that she's not the only one. And then everyone was led to believe, well, who else could it be? And then obviously the immediate answer would be, well, obviously David Kane at some point, right. if Cassandra Kane's around, but, with these like small hints of Azrael, I feel like it's bound to that. You know, he's bound to happen. Um, but
2: how can you have Azrael be created and not have? How can you have him created and not have the tie to history, with you know the knights and everything? Don't you think that's like defamation to the character? Don't you think that be a poor job of bringing the character
0: into the fold? I guess maybe, maybe the intent was he was presented because we have to assume that this is a different version of the character as we've seen so many times since the new 52, but we have to what I would assume at least is that Sean Paul Valley was presented to Bruce as this is, you know, the ideal candidate to be your heir. Um, you know, Nightfall never existed. None of that ever happened. And after a while, you know, he, we realized that he was brainwashed as we know that the Order of Saint Thomas, uh, has done. Right. That was explained with Azrael when, you know, back in the nineties that he was brainwashed. Uh, we have to believe that he was brainwashed and then realizing that, you know, this wasn't going to work. He tried to help Sean Paul and it did, you know, and ultimately something bad happened and Azrael was, you know, banished by Batman or whatever. And he, he was probably just a pawn. My guess is we're gonna see mother say, here's, here's, here's your heir. This is the perfect person. We've brainwashed them. And it's gonna be Sean Paul Valley. And it's basically, he's just there as a pawn for Batman to, or Bruce Wayne to use to get, you know, more into the organization that is, mother and whatever she, you know, whatever organization she's involved in. Mm -hmm. Then in turn, we see that Bruce kind of like feels for the fact that this is a person who was probably stolen from their parents and was brainwashed into believing all this stuff that they were brainwashed and tries to help him. But then ultimately he does something Jason Todd esque and that's bad and gets cast out by Batman. And then in turn, Um goes to the, you know, you know, the order of Saint Thomas and then ends up becoming a bad guy. Yeah. That's, that's my guess as to what's actually gonna happen.
1: I think you're on the right path.
0: Yeah, I mean like, I don't know how else you could do it, but that's my prediction of what's gonna happen. But Mm -hmm. my last question here is, as far as the flow, you know, I say this every time, as far as the flow of these two issues, these two issues by themselves because they were scripted by the same writer, but then also how do these two issues flow with the rest of the story? How did you think they went?
1: I think flows, I mean, I think the flow is about what it's established to be. You know, I mean, I think this is kind of the happy medium that we're going to be at for the rest of the story until like the last four issues. Cause I'm sure they'll be super, super flowed out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is what we saw in eternal. I think they're doing it better here where we saw the first six issues, super tight script and then it became looser until it wound back in for the end. I just think that they've done a little bit better job of running it in here. But I think that the flow is the same as the two before that. And I think this is kind of the middle ground of where the series is going to start.
2: I'm going to be the naysayer on this Ooh. one and say, yeah, that I did not enjoy these issues as much. Um, when I was reading them, I thought, my gosh, is this the same book that I've been reading? I, um, besides some very beautiful moments, which, Dustin, in your recap, you mentioned, you know, that two-page splash page of the ballerina or the ballet that was going on. Um, And even deeper than that, it was very beautiful because Cass was getting everything because she reads movements, you know, like we hear words and, and read things and everything. And so for her to get that, I thought what a beautiful thing. But this is like season one of Gotham for me, right? These two issues, uh, season one of Gotham. I just was, I thought was so cluttered with storylines. And I thought that this was really cluttered. I think you could have cut out the Jason, uh Tim stuff. I thought it was too much. And now it's getting a little like the back and forth between and that's another thing. I said David King, but gosh, Scarecrow, he's gotta pop up somehow in this as well because we keep backflashing. But we have backflashes, we have Cass and Harper, we have Dick, which then intersects with Cass and Harper, so I think you gotta keep those. Uh Tim and Jason Uh, and then the Bruce Wayne backflash as well. Like all of this stuff is going on and it was just, it, it seemed too much, especially in these two issues. So the flow did not work. It was, it was stopped up. It was stopped up like a dam, a beaver dam.
0: Well, here's my tooth sense. Okay. I thought that (laughs) these, these two issues by themselves, I think that they were, that they worked perfectly together. Um, For the most part, I didn't really have a a huge problem with the amount of stuff in it. I was really lost by what was going on with the 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 Tim and Tim and Jason stuff because it didn't it didn't make any sense as to why it was there. I mean, obviously, we're going into the next issue. I can just tell by the cliffhanger of this issue that it's going to be a bigger focus going into the next you know couple of issues probably. But it did. Especially in issue number seven, it was really lost as to what exactly they were doing besides just complaining together about Dick Grayson. Um, You know, I I didn't really understand what was going on, but that was also true of issue number six because they also had this little part that was going on that really didn't flow with the rest of the story too. But I think everything else, I think the flashbacks with uh, the the with Bruce Wayne dealing with mother and Dick dealing with mother and them mirroring it. I think that worked perfectly. I actually felt as if like, if you took out the Tim and Dick or the, the, the Tim and Jason stuff, I think that you'd actually have a really solid two issues. Um, the art for, you know, for the most part, the first issue had one artist doing the entire group of art. The second issue had two artists. Scott Eaton seems to be the guy who's playing cleanup a lot of times and some of these issues, but they, they did a decent job of like separating it up so that it didn't come across too disjointing as some of the previous issues. But I think overall, I think it, they did a really good job with these two issues. Um, the, I think other than just f- as far as the flow from issue six to issue seven, the only disjointness is the fact that it's a different writer and you can tell it's a different writer by the tone of how everything's written. Mm-hmm. But. I think in general, I think they did a good job. So surprising, surprising. I was the naysayer. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising coming from me saying that they did a good job with the flow. But that being said, let's go through our ratings. Uh, I'm going to give issue number seven a total of four out of five.
1: Three and a half out of five.
2: Three and a half out of five.
0: And over on the website, Ian gave it three or Ian gave it four and a half. So that's going to give issue number seven a total of Three and a half out of five. Issue eight, I'm going to give a total of three and a half.
1: Um, stayed the same for me. Three and a half.
0: Three and a half. And over on the website, Ian gave it three. So that's going to give issue number eight a total of three and a half out of five. So that is all of our in-depth reviews.
2: And can I just say before you move on that you made, you made an insult to, uh, elderly women everywhere when you said that. How could she knock out Cass Cain? But I'll have you know. That over in the Marvel Universe, in the way early years of Amazing Spider-Man, Aunt May knocked out Spider-Man. Because apparently she doesn't – his spider sense didn't go off and she used a vase and hit him over the head and he fell down. So there you go, Dustin. There
0: you go. Old lady strong. I mean, I guess (laughs) – I guess. I'm not saying that like most old ladies don't have the ability to knock somebody out. I'm saying if you have – well, I mean, it's also slightly unbelievable that Aunt May would be able to hit Spider-Man over the head unless he was sick and his spider sense wasn't working. I don't know. But Cassandra, who's this, you know, who who basically chopped somebody's hand off in the previous issue, somehow just gets whacked in the head with a candlestick from the lady. It was basically yeah. like some weird twisted version of Clue. All right. All right. So, with that, that is going to bring us into our spotlight. Now, which I said in the last episode, um, you know, I, I specifically told everybody to go and vote on the Facebook page. So, the Facebook page, the voting is obviously now closed because I'm going to announce the winner right now. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, those of you who voted for the Gotham Report, TBU Recap, uh, those didn't win. Uh, um, oh it was kind of down to, and, and this might have just been because of how it was presented on the website. The top three choices were the top th- three that the dumb post actually showed. Uh, so rounding out in, it was a tie for second place, uh, between the Bat Signal and Greater Gotham. But the win- winner of what we will be calling this section of the podcast is called Well, is is Gotham's finest. Gotham's finest. That is what we we will now be calling this section from, you know, going forward. So, moving into Gotham's finest. Other books that we have for this two, these, these two, these past two weeks. First up, Batman Europa number one. Now, as you remember, uh-huh. Batman Europa number one came out. We, uh, we had said before that we are going to be doing an in-depth review of the series once all four issues have been published, which will be in, the, well, the, all, the last issue publishes is in January. So probably February time frame, we're going to review the entire group of what Batman Europa is. So I'm not going to go in depth as to what it is right now, because we will do that later on. But Batman Europa number one came out. Uh, Mark uh, over on the website reviewed it. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Five thumbs up.
2: I'm going to give it a neutral. All
0: right. And then moving into our next one. Uh Batman 66, number 29, which collects digital chapters 70 through 71. Uh Batman and Robin deal with Ma Parker and Catwoman. Ma oh, Parker. Uh, so Gary gave this one a total of three out of five. I am going to give this one a neutral. 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 Next up, Harley Quinn, number 22. Ooh. Harley heads back to Brooklyn to deal with... Uh, you know, her friends who are in crisis. Uh, with this one, uh, Gary gave it three and a half. I'm uh, giving this one a neutral. Mm, thumbs up. Neutral. Next up, new Suicide Squad number 14. Reviewed by Mark. He gave it three out of five. This one deals with uh, repercussions from the previous story arc, but also Amanda Waller, uh, basically going on the lamb from the normal task force and Vic Sage. And, uh, she has disabled all of the bombs in the Suicide Squad's neck. It's kind of an interesting story. I'm giving this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Titans number, Titans Hunt number two, reviewed by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. This issue features Roy Harper, Vox, Hints of Bumblebee, Donna Troy, Aqualad. I thought this was a great issue. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Donna Troy's in it.
2: I'm still snoozing thumbs down.
0: All right, Secret 6 number 8 reviewed by Gary. He gave it a total of 4 out of 5. Uh in this issue we have uh Etrigan dealing with uh Secret 6. Also uh, a number of the uh well ba- Black Alice it, Black Alice is absorbing is using some sort of magical power, but we also have the team travel to Atlantis in the issue. I'm giving this one a neutral Neutral. Neutral. Uh next up, Earth Two Society number six, reviewed by Bill. He gave it three out of five. This issue has Anarchy, Our Man, um all from the Earth Two. So they're different versions. I'm giving this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Uh next, Gracie number fourteen, reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. This one has dealing with the spir- with, with spiral and also trying to find out more information about Lucanets. AKA Kathy Kane for this issue. I'm giving a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Next. We are Robin number six reviewed by Bill. He gave it a total of four out of five. This issue has the, uh, the Robins dealing with a situation. Um, and Alfred has to kind of like save them because they were in a situation that they couldn't handle by themselves. For this one, I'm giving a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Next. Uh, we have Batman Arkham Knight Genesis. Reviewed by Ryan, he gave it 4 out of 5. Uh, I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Next, Robinson of Batman, number 6. Reviewed by Ryan, he gave it 4 out of 5. Uh, in this issue, we see Damien kind of uh, wrapping some of the stuff up with Talia. Also, uh, he leaves Maya and Goliath and heads to Gotham. So I'm going to give this one a thumbs up.
2: Thumbs up. Thumbs up, super emotional scene in the middle, or towards the end.
0: Next, Justice League of America number five, reviewed by Tyler. He gave it three and a half out of five. Now, just as I said earlier, uh, I mentioned this earlier uh, during comic news, this was not the normal issue that was supposed to be solicited. This was a Martian Manhunter. If it was just a Martian Manhunter story, I would give it a neutral. But because this is not at all what I was expecting to read when picking up this book... I'm giving it a thumbs down.
1: I think your reasoning is fair, but I'll give it a thumbs
0: up anyway.
2: Neutral.
0: And finally, DC Comics Bombshells number five, which collects digital chapters 13 through 15, reviewed by Stella. She gave it four out of five. Okay. What happened, Stella?
2: Yep. Uh, so continuing the combat storyline, uh, we visit again with Supergirl and her sister, star girl and after rescuing these uh people who were hidden inside a fake base um that made to look like nazis uh she saves them and then they go to their parents and their parents are actually captured by uh the general and a gigantic deus ex machina comes out of nowhere in the form of swamp thing and helps them out so they're able to escape with their parents but unfortunately uh their dad got lost or taken and kate makes her way to berlin where she meets up with not only lex luther but selena de Gatti. and joker's daughter appears so that storyline has sort of shifted over and now they're creating these tenebri these undead soldiers and then the final part um harley rides a bomb down <laughs> she gets shot out of the air she rides a bomb down into france and it doesn't explode, of course, because it's Harley, and she meets the acquaintance of Pamela Isley, and uh, they become fast friends, some German sh- soldiers pop in, they escape, and then b- the bomb finally does explode and kills these soldiers, but they are also tenebrized with this has started to creep across all the storylines, which is good.
1: Alright, so for this issue, I'm giving you a thumbs up. Anything that will reference Dr. Strangelove will get a thumbs up for me.
2: <laughs> ah, thumbs up for me, for sure.
0: Alright, so those are your books for Gotham's Finest. Be sure to check out all those detailed reviews over on the website. Um, in addition to that, uh, I implore you to comment on those reviews for the people who, and and chat with the people who have written those reviews. Um, as you leave comments, they are notified that you're leaving comments so that if you have comments related to these books, be sure to leave them and they'll comment back. That's the joy of comment section. All right. So with that, that is going to bring us into our listener Q and A's. Sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! Just a couple of listener Q&As this time around. Uh, the very first one we have comes from John. He says, I vote for a return of the bloopers. Yeah. That is always a fun way to end the episode.
2: And he wrote so, on my birthday, November 21st, so I appreciate you, John.
0: Smart man! So I will say this, in relation to the bloopers, they're not coming back.
2: Come on, but, uh, man!
0: What, but I will say, I will say this though, you know, I don't know if my co-host actually listened to the edited version of the podcast once I post it you know i don't know if they're just here and that's the extent of it but i specifically <laughs> left so much stuff in the last episode just to see what they would say and i've gotten no comments other than we need bloopers <laughs> so i'm clearly realizing that they don't actually listen to the edited version anyway which means they never hear the bloopers regardless so there's no reason for them to even have No a vote i would in purposely this. listen just... to the bloopers I yes you go end. to the end of the episode exactly and, and you don't put him in and I go he's but if again. I don't cut if I don't cut the, the blooper uh, you know what would account to a being a blooper out then why would I need to have a blooper section
2: we well, don't what? but it's just you edit so you just cut cut cut
0: man you wouldn't know what I cut because you don't listen to the edited version.
2: Oh gosh.
0: Enough said. Moving on. I specifically, I, I'm no, no joke. Last episode, I specifically you left this excellent. like four minute chunk yeah. of something that started out as we know we're going to cut this you know we know you're going to cut this out and oh this should be a perfect thing for the bloopers i left that stuff in specifically because you guys <laughs> give me so much grief about not having a blooper section
1: I, so, I i think whenever you're airing on should i if if it's ever a moment of should you keep it or let it stay just let it stay
0: yes. let it go little paul mccartney or Elsa. All right. So next, Bill says, Ed, I think the significance of the suit of armor in Endgame is contained in that story to some degree and won't spill over into Super Heavy. Here's my interpretation. In the play that the suit of armor was going to be used for, the god Apollo comes down at the end to save everyone in a deus ex machina. By the end of Endgame, Batman, mythic godlike people to the, to the people of Gotham, saves the city and everyone in it from the Joker, but still, spoilers dies in the fight in the final panel we see the suit of armor in the trash bin with the other garbage bruce had talked about the gods descending from heavens as terrifying but he was actually a god in a way that came down to rescue gotham in the end he immortalized himself by dying just like everyone else hence the untarnished armor among the normal garbage in the trash bin like i said just my interpretation as far as who, who is Mr. Bloom is, Corbin has a great theory, so that looks to be who it'll be. Although I love Stella's theory on why it should be the Joker, and it makes the perfect sense. Great podcast, as usual, everyone. So, hands down, I mean, that's sort of honor, you win. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Like I, That's probably the best interpretation that anyone came up with. I don't think I've seen that anywhere as far as anybody else coming up with that exact interpretation. So that entirely could be it. And it was just, you know, another nod to, uh, you know, past literature that Snyder seems to do sometimes. Um, but he does also sometimes try to explain it at some point in an interview. So, um, that's a great explanation, I think. Um, so thank you for your comment.
1: <laughs> you win dude. Like that's, that's better than anything I've could have come up with and it makes sense and it makes the moment make a lot of sense and fit into the story. So, Yep.
0: All right. So then, with that, that is all of our listener Q and A's. Kind of uh, a little, a little bit of a light listener Q and A's. Just obviously for the sure fact that it's. we're recording this right after the holidays and uh, that's tends to be a time where we don't get a whole lot of comments. So hopefully in the next episode we do have some comments. So with that, that's pretty much everything we have for this episode. I don't have anything discussion worthy to talk about because really the thing I enjoy talking about the most is the TBU by the numbers, which we spent a good chunk doing at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I do have just a couple of real quick plugs regarding a number of different things. Uh, first off, uh, if you haven't been checking out the other podcasts. I implore you to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the website. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm, I'm I, I know that I said a couple weeks ago that you know I'm we're doing really good with all of the people who are reviewing. If I could get two additional people who would be open to reviewing one-off books, and I'm talking about like the crazy tie-in books that ha- don't necessarily pertain to the Batman universe but have a Batman universe character appear in them. Specifically, this past. Uh, two weeks we had an issue of Deathstroke that popped up. So anybody who is a huge DC fan in general, who is open to just reading individual issues and reviewing them on the website specifically just, you know, to bring in the fact that these characters have appeared in the book, uh, I, you know, get in touch with us. Also just another reviewer to add to the mix. Uh, we do have some more books that are coming out in the near future. So if we get, uh, you know, one additional person, so that doesn't mean one additional, I guess anybody who's interested in reviewing books, shoot me an email and we'll get in touch with you. Uh, TVU at the universe.net also still looking for uh movie and TV news to get covered over on the website. Um, and Yeah. So, Stella, you also have something?
2: Absolutely. I'm putting a call out for anyone that identifies himself or herself as a minority to have a discussion centering around this particular question. Are minorities portrayed properly in media? And more than comics, I'm talking about film, TV as well. So Donovan Morgan, Grant, and I are going to be leading this discussion and would like your input So whatever your nationality, ethnicity, gender identification, or sexual orientation, if you are interested in being a part of this conversation, please contact me at backworldoracle at gmail.com. And this discussion is going to take place in early 2016. Heterosexual white males need not apply.
1: guess I'll find something else to do that weekend.
2: Yeah,
0: sorry. (laughs) All right, so – uh, obviously, as I said, also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos. Be sure to join our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans. Uh, we are also looking for a social media person still uh, to manage our social media accounts, uh, become a little bit more interactive with our audience and our fans. Um, so if you are interested in potentially working with our social media accounts to build the brand that is the Batman Universe, get in touch with us. Uh, with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed.
2: And this is Stella.
0: And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.